Welcome to the Ether. Today is Wednesday, April 12th, 2023. Today on the Ether, the Injective Hackathon Panel, Building New Financial Primitives. Let's take a listen. All right. Um, so uh, I think Namesh from the Notify team um, is tied up just slightly. Uh, he might join us a couple minutes into the panel. Um, but yeah, I figure that we should just kind of kick it off and get it started. Um, and then whenever he joins, um, I will do an intro to him and then he can just hop right in. Cool. All right. So let's kick this off. Um, so first, uh, I'd love uh, if both you, Neil and Albert can kind of give a little bit of an intro to who you are for people who might uh, not know. And then a little bit of info on your role and your project. Maybe, Neil, because you're unmuted, I'll have you go first. Sure. Sounds good. Hey, everyone, and thanks all for joining the Twitter space. Uh, I'm Neil, co-founder and CEO of FrontRunner. Um, you know, as CEO, focused on kind of all things biz dev, uh, fundraising, you know, all the kind of good stuff that's not directly product engineering on our side. And we're, I'm the CEO of FrontRunner, a decentralized sports prediction market built in the injective ecosystem. And so excited to be talking to you all here today. Awesome. Albert? Hey everyone, I'm Albert, I'm the co-founder and CTO of Injective Labs. Um, so Injective is a layer one blockchain um, built for finance. Um, we have a, a plug and play suite of DeFi primitives for builders to um, build like next generation DeFi applications. Um, the biggest application on Injective is um, a fully de decentralized order book exchange for spot, perps, um, features, binary options, and much more. So yeah. Awesome. And then I also see that Namesh uh, has hopped on. Um, Namesh. Hi, everyone. My name is Namesh. I'm co-founder CTO of uh, Notify. Uh, we power Web3 notifications. Um, super excited to be here. Sorry, I'm a little late today. <laughs> no, no, no worries. We actually just got started. So this is perfect timing. Um, so, okay, so I think that before even the panel questions kind of kick off, maybe it's good for us to have like a baseline understanding and define what DeFi or financial primitives are. Um, Albert, do you want to do you want to start us off? Sure. So I would say broadly, a financial primitive in, in the context of DeFi is some basic component that, that you can use um, and leverage that, you know, saves you from having to, to reinvent the wheel. At least that's more of a practical definition. Um, a, a, a basic example of this can be like liquidity, right? Um, so, you know, your, your application can just plug into tap into liquidity without you having to, you know, recreate um, your, your own exchange or, um, yeah, protocol. Um, lending, of course, is another primitive. Um, oracles are another primitive. Um, the ability to have cross-chain bridging, that's another primitive. And of course, you know, these can be broken down into many smaller things. Um, for example, FrontRunner uses um, 
the binary options as a primitive, which is a supported on objective. Um, so yeah, it's just some basic thing that people can use and compose with to then build um, more higher level and complex applications. Yeah, I think that that is a perfect uh, description. Um, and I think for the purpose of the panel today, like the speakers and, and that we have, um, this will lead up to really a conversation because Albert, obviously you are co-founder CTO of Injective Labs um, and can speak on the different financial primitives that you know Injective offers and front runner um, Neil uh, kind of utilize all of them. And we're also gonna add in some questions about just like infra and like what we think about when we think about onboarding users into these different apps. So um, yeah, I'm kind of, ex I'm excited to kick this off. Um, Neil, I saw that you unmuted. Did you wanna add any more context with regards to uh, financial primitives? Yeah, I mean, happy to talk about kind of how FrontRunner um, kind of uses some of these primitives since Albert kind of uh, created that kind of natural segue there, um, if, if this is the right time for it. Of course. Yeah I, yeah, I have a few questions and I know I have to send it over to you guys, but yeah, I think that uh, giving way to have this be a natural conversation would be the best way to go. Yeah, sounds perfect. Well, as Albert mentioned, you know, companies like us, even companies that are more on the sports betting side, um, can use financial primitives that Injective have built to build really kind of cool, new, novel products. Um, what I mean by that is, you know, FrontRunner is building a decentralized sports prediction market. You can think of it as kind of a decentralized betting exchange if you want to think about it that way. But it's the idea of turning what are traditionally illiquid kind of binary bets into liquid tradable DeFi kind of assets on our platform in that way. So one thing that we really loved as a front runner team, one of our core theses back in the day was that there was too many kind of companies in Web3 splitting focus between building both protocol and product. You know, as an early stage team, it's really hard to have the resources to build both your own protocol kind of network as well as a product that's compelling and usable and honestly fit for mass adoption within Web3. So one of the things that, you know, really drew us to Injective early on was the idea that hey, they can actually, you know, by default, build us kind of a on-chain central limit order book, which was a really important feature of ours. And on top of that, even building us financial primitives of binary options contracts, basically a building block of a sports bet where either it's a binary kind of question, you know, will X team win this game or win this season? And then, you know, having it pay out based off that, it's all a very kind of powerful starting point where we can really focus on making sure that we can focus on the user experience, the onboarding flow, and making our Web3 product, you know, as feel as web two as possible in kind of a weird way to make it accessible and really focus on what we're good at while letting Injective kind of take care of the heavy lifting in terms of the smart contract building, in terms of the actual financial primitives we needed to kind of get off the ground. And that's some of the stuff we were really excited about when we first came to the Injective ecosystem late in 2021, early in 2022. Yeah, I think that that's awesome. And I have a few follow-up questions for that, but kind of wanted to go back to what you were saying. You said that you, Front Runner is utilizing the binary options module and then the order book. Um, but then maybe Albert or also in, and also Neil hop in. Um, what other DeFi primitives does Injective offer to developers, right? Um, and then I think also like what are some unique challenges that you um, have encountered when developing them, um, and how has Injective kind of approached these challenges from a technical standpoint? Sure, yeah. Albert, you want to start by talking about the field? Sure, bit? yeah. Um, I think the, the biggest primitive is is liquidity um, in the form of the order book exchange. Um, which supports spot um, uh, perps, expiry futures, and binary options, and in the future, perhaps also European options. Um, so basically, basically covering the, the whole swath of, of finance um, and being able for people to, you know, not have to reinvent, let's say, um, a derivatives protocol, but now you can just, you know, get levered exposure, let's say, into Bitcoin, ETH, et cetera, 
um, and then take these positions and then compose them into higher order things. Um, I would say that's that's the bulk of the value that um, Injective offers. Of course, for other builders, um, we also have an Oracle module where we have you know four different types of oracles that that builders can use to then you know build their own applications. Um, yeah, there's there's many others. I think one of the the, the interesting things that Injective developed um, as a primitive for smart contracts is the ability for smart contracts to be automated automatically executed um, in the beginning of the block. And this is a very powerful automation capability, and I, I, don't, I don't say it's, it's a primitive, um, which can you know allow for a lot of new novel applications, um, including one that Injective is building that I'll expand on later on in this Twitter space. Um, yeah, as for the challenges, I think that um, when we design these prim primitives from a technical standpoint, we want them to be you know as generic as possible. So finding you know the right level of abstraction or designing the right interfaces to interact with these um, while, while still making them you know, simple. So yeah, that's a general, I guess, engineering challenge that we face. Got it. Um, and then Neil, you were also kind of describing in your, uh, when you were talking a little bit more about how FrontRunner utilizes different modules like on Injective, um, that Injective helps you kind of uh, not choose, I guess, between like, uh, building a protocol versus like a product. Um, can you expand a little bit on that? Like what makes those two different in your eyes? Um, and and yeah, how does, I guess, Injective help to solve that problem for you and your team? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, at a high level, I guess the way I like to describe it here is by using Injective protocol, it's almost like a shortcut, like using AWS was kind of back in the day in terms of kind of, you know, the back of house, so to speak, or, you know, kind of the back end system here. Injective and what our CTO really loved about it when we were first scouting you guys out, you know, late in uh, 2021 was kind of the modular capabilities of it and how easy it was to kind of get a central limit order book market off the ground quickly and relatively easily, especially at the time in 2021, 2022, when you guys were first kind of going to mainnet, it was just so much easier to do experimentation and start iterating on our product by using Injective protocol rather than needing to spend all the time ourselves to build our own kind of custom smart contracts, build everything from scratch, where we really believe that a company that is, you know, focused entirely on kind of the infrastructure layer can likely do a better job building it out in an effective, efficient method, rather than a team that both needs to build out the protocol layer and is also focused on building a user-facing product in the actual kind of like mobile app, web apps that are interfacing with the blockchain itself. So for us, for example, you know, we love the central limit order book support. We love the binary options contracts. But on the oracling side, you know, we still have the ability to pipe in our own kind of, you know, sports related data to resolve our markets. And so that kind of plug and play capability almost was also a very kind of convenient and nice feature for us to iterate quickly and start experimenting, you know, again, when we committed to injective protocol almost a year ago now. Yeah, I think that that's super perfect. Um, and I think that um, hopefully that makes it really clear for a lot of other builders. Um, and it's, uh, I think that you also have a very unique perspective, right? Especially as it comes to Hackathon, um, because you have the experience of actually building directly on Injective um, and kind of working um, through both like Testnet and through Mainnet. Um, that kind of like leads me also though too, you had said, you had mentioned really briefly that like it helps you, um, like building on Injective helps you kind of focus more on the product and having it be a little bit more Web 2 um, and a little bit more user friendly. Obviously, we have Namesh here. Um, and one of our most recent integrations was with Notify. Um, Namesh, I know you gave a brief overview on what Notify is at the very beginning, but did you want to chat a little bit more on um, Notify and its tooling 
um, and what, what it provides for both builders who are part of the hackathon um, and how it will affect the larger user community, especially when, it, when we're talking about things like user onboarding um, and having that familiar Web2 feeling. Yeah, absolutely. So to kind of uh, hit some of the points that were already talked about earlier, where uh, you want to sort of optimize for the developers to focus on either you know, the protocol or infrastructure or their actual app logic. What we wanted to do as Notify was take one of those things that we sort of, uh, I, I guess, really take for granted in Web2, which is notifications and bring that to Web3 where the developers don't have to spend so much time and effort really integrating in things such as, you know, maintaining user information, PII, um, uh, notification delivery, uh, ensuring that, um, you know, users who have registered for certain types of notifications on certain devices, they reliably get them. Um, even if there are certain issues, you know, downstream, um, those are all taken care of. Uh, they get them in the correct formats, et cetera, et cetera. Right. So what we wanted to do really was essentially create the the simplified Legos, if you will, for people to really just build with. And so what we do is provide um, notifications for things such everything from DeFi to governance to um, just um, any sorts of transactions even even happening on chain. And we, we're not even limited to that. Where what we'll talk about even uh, later today for for actual uh, hackathon is how DApps can use these notifications for. Um, typical web two style things such as even user outreach, right? Like let's say uh, you're a DAP that has a special notification uh, for users and users have opted in for notifications from that DAP. Well, now we actually provide a very simplified way for those DAPs to actually reach back out and engage with their users to inform them that, hey, there's something uh, really important coming up, or hey, there's something that you know everyone should really get their eyes on right now. And these integrations, I want to show later today in the hackathon uh, uh, intro, is that these are so simple that they really, really should take less than let's say you know a day or so. Where then this way it keeps the developer time free to actually focus on their actual app logic itself. Yeah, and I know uh, we today we have a notify a workshop um, in a few hours that'll be going live, um, and so I know that you don't want to give away too much, um, but just like on a high level, uh, I mean, obviously one of the benefits that Notify has is that developers can you know easily utilize uh, the SDK to embed these notifications and cross chain messaging. Um, but what are the challenges? if there are any, right, of enabling this feature? Um, and how do you think that Notify kind of solves these when we're thinking about like market competitors? Sure, yeah. So in Web3, we are, we're pretty accustomed to using our wallet. You sign into the DAP, you, you know, set up your preferences, et cetera, and then um, you essentially walk away, right? Well. In the Web2 world, there is, you know, the assumption that, you know, if something goes wrong, if my account is um, un a little underwater, uh, if it's in risk of, you know, being liquidated right now, 
then I will get notified, right? I'll, I'll get a, a notification that says, hey, you, you know, you're at risk of getting liquidated right now. You may want to fix this, right? Uh, for developers to do that today, what we do, they would have to essentially collect the user's information. They have to uh, store it securely somewhere. They have to maintain their preferences of where they want to go when the notification actually triggers. Uh, they have to find out, all right, on what device did that notification, uh, or is that notification really meant for? And how do we make it look right there? And if things are, let's say, um, I'm just picking an example, like a, a cellular um, uh, endpoint, right? Like a cell phone. Um, if for some reason that network is having issues right now, how do we continuously make sure that, all right, that user will at least get that message once, uh, no matter what, because it's a really important message. Uh, we we take care of all of these, um, I guess, really it's issues around reliability and security for the DAP developers, which I think is the biggest thing where anyone comes into the notifications uh, space, where setting up a notification I, I guess as a a simple, um, almost like a, a a test or a demo is sort of it's pretty simple, right? But when you actually dig down and want to provide notifications in a more reliable, secure fashion, it starts becoming a little a little bit more complicated. Where you have to actually maintain these systems and. Um, you have to have it like, you know, at least once reliability and, you know, th those types of things are probably not what the app developers want to focus their time on. Yeah, no, I think that that makes a ton of sense. Um, and appreciate you kind of giving a little bit of an overview. Like I said, uh, we will be having a notify workshop a little bit later today during hackathon, um, where we can kind of deep dive into that a little bit more. Um, but I did want to switch gears a little bit, um, and maybe this is a question for Albert. Obviously, we're talking a lot about like the DeFi primitives, and you kind of gave in a little bit of an overview of like what Injective offers. Um, but you know, uh, from your experience, can you share some insights on the process of you know identifying market gaps and user needs when it comes to developing new primitives? Um, and you'd also kind of briefly, briefly mentioned that you wanted to talk a little bit more about one of the projects um, that Injective Labs is building. Um, so if you wanted to use that as kind of like the use case uh, to answer this question, please feel free to do so. Sure. Um, so I guess the, the process of identifying market gaps um, just comes from observations ourselves. Um, since, you know, we, we ourselves at Injective Labs um, do build a lot of applications on top of Injective. Um, as well as the infrastructure, of course. Um, so a, lo a lot of it is just driven from, from organic need. Um, an example of which is, as I mentioned, the, the ability for smart contracts to be executed themselves automatically. Um, and yeah, speaking on, on um, the Project X that we've been building, um, passive liquidity on an order book, I think, has just long been an, an unsolved problem. Um, and of course, it it hinders the adoption of um, an order book based exchange um, due to the need of having to bootstrap two sided liquidity. So um, that that was a, I guess that's that's kind of an obvious problem of order books um, more broadly. 
And that's something that we, that we wanted to solve um, ourselves. And in the process of doing so, of like trying to solve that problem, um, we realized that we would need new primitives, um, like for example, um, the ability to execute smart contracts um, automatically. And yeah, that 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 led us to kind of you know build build the things that you know we we needed. Um, but at the same time, you know, building these primitives not in a way that's just custom tailored for for one application, but rather um, generalizable. So other people who have you know similar needs. Or even very different needs can can use um, the same yeah, primitive. Yeah, um, and I think that you were talking. This is you know the second time you kind of mentioned right um, smart contracts being executed automatically. Um, can you shed some light for people who might not be as aware on like the importance of this um, and maybe the like how this would actually work sure. in play. Uh, from a user perspective. Sure. So I, I guess I can start first by describing, you know, how smart contracts are used more broadly. So on Ethereum or, you know, on Cosmosm, et cetera, on basically any blockchain, um, state transitions or basically changes that are, are triggered by transactions, which are sent by end users, right? So you have someone signing a transaction, they broadcast it to the network, gets included into a block, then, you know, this executes some 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 code or some logic, right? Let's say transferring a token as an example. Um, what Injective provides through automatic smart contract execution is for the chain to call the smart contract um, even up to every single block in the beginning of the block. That way, you can trigger um, logic um, automatically. So on Ethereum, there are other systems that people have you know, built to kind of work around this, mainly they're, they're called keepers. Um, so some open network, anyone can, can take some action. And then of course, to incentivize people to take, to take these actions, you have to pay them. So it's, it's, it's a rather clunky way, in my opinion, to, to, to um, introduce some sort of like automation capability. Um, and, and, and there's also no guarantees that someone will actually you know, execute this. And of course, even if there were, um, you, you still have to rely on someone actually sending it. And of course, the network can, can be congested, et cetera. So Injective kind of added this ability for smart contracts to basically pre-register themselves. And every time they're executed, they will still pay for gas. But now you can have things like, let's say you want a market-making algorithm where every single block you can you know, place, cancel, and, and requote your orders. Um, now, now you can do that, right? Um, and actually, that's what we, we, we use for Project X. Um, it's, it's a new form of automated market making on a central limit order book. And um, that's you know, never been seen before because you, you don't have, well, first of all, order books are more computationally intensive. Um, and like, yeah, this this basically wouldn't wouldn't be able to work, let's say, on on Ethereum. I think um, to to expand more on the comparison between like Injective and Ethereum, um, Injective is a um, application specific blockchain, you know, built using the Cosmos SDK. Um, and one of the benefits of this is that you know it, it's its own sovereign blockchain. Um, it can introduce new capabilities that you know aren't available on on other blockchains, like the one I just mentioned. Um, whereas on Ethereum, you are constrained by what what's acceptable by you know the Ethereum virtual machine um, runtime, and yeah, th as a result, your the kinds of primitives or the kinds of things that you build are 
have to you know work around this really idiosyncratic language and framework. Um, whereas um, on a, on a chain like Injective, you just have a lot more freedom to to introduce new, I guess like new new primitives because you are just so un, un, unconstrained in a programming environment sense. Yeah. Yeah, I think that that's a great overview. Um, and I know that you had also mentioned, you know, the way, uh, you know, the, the process, right, of identifying different market gaps is just because we're building, right? You guys are all builders. Um, and so it's just more like your like observation. So I guess this is an open question to everyone. Um, what primitives or tooling, right, do you believe are missing, if any? Um, like, what are some key considerations for designing user friendly and accessible? DeFi applications, um, especially when we think about like users who are a little bit newer to the decentralized ecosystem. Yeah, I can uh, maybe take a quick stab at this. Um, I mean, I think one of the things that's kind of the, a thing that happens with every kind of growing web three ecosystem is more kind of tooling support around you know wallet flow, onboarding, getting into the ecosystem, making that as easy as possible, combined with you know more kind of integrated fiat on ramps. I know there's companies like Cato and stuff that have injective integrations, but certainly as front runners moving from our kind of testnet setup to uh, our mainnet real kind of money setup in the coming months here, that's kind of top of mind for us because you know on testnet we've really been focused on building out the markets for us, our sports betting markets, the kind of interface, the mobile app. But now that we're kind of heading towards real money, it's these kind of supplementary ecosystem kind of ads, you know, specific wallets that are really nice in terms of user experience, onboarding and um, user flow combined with, you know, some fiat on-ramps to make sure that users, whether they're injective ninjas already or whether they're coming in for the first time, have as easy a flow as possible getting from, I want to participate in this market. How do I do it? Okay, let me get my currency through a credit card, my debit card, my bank account, whatever it is. Just making that kind of flow as easy as possible is going to be essential for kind of growing the Web3 community as a whole and especially in the injective community. Yeah, for sure. We also, um, I know that you had mentioned Kado, but we had also just announced the integration with Transac um, that kind of speaks exactly to the user flow that you were talking about right now. Um, Albert, I saw that you unmuted. Sorry if I edit, if I cut you Yeah, off. I mean, I, I think thoughts? notifications also are, are you know, definitely a, a useful primitive and um, something that you would expect, you know, on, on a Web2 application, but maybe Nimesh can, can speak more um, on like, you know, sort of how Notify bridges that gap. Um, I, I know you already spoke on it, but, you know, more, more, more in that framing. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. Um, I mean, notifications, especially, especially in applications like DeFi, right, where you really, like these notifications aren't just about, hey, something, you know, something happened and it's okay for you to really miss that message. It's, uh, it's like a, like a, a priority three, like it really doesn't matter, right? Um, for DeFi, these events, it's almost, we, we've, as DeFi users, we've sort of been running blind, I would say, right? As um, w without notifications, we're, we're going into this uh, area and making these decisions and not having any chance to really get any notifications so that we can make corrections or, um you know fix uh whatever whatever you know uh actions that we've made beforehand right and it's really one of those things where it also ties us i think to our systems right like to our computers where all right 
as a as a DeFi user right now, I have to essentially sit at my machine and you know constantly monitor things, right? I can't really walk away. I can't really um, you know s- go to sleep without you know if if I have taken you know a pretty aggressive position, um, you know without worrying that okay I could wake up and this is all gone, right? Um, having notifications in, I think, gives you a little bit more peace of mind and allows you to uh, sort of work in the model that we've all really, uh, I, I think, been accustomed to before getting into, you know, like moving over to Web3. I'm not sure if that like sort of helps, but yeah, sorry. <laughs> yeah, no, I think that's perfect. And I think that when you're also talking about notifications, what platforms are you specifically talking about? Like, are we saying like emails or text messages or um, yeah, what kind of content is um, Notify kind of serving to its users? Yeah, uh, so we actually support today, email, telegram, text message. Uh, we actually support uh, general webhooks uh, for developers to go, you know, do even more custom integrations. We're introducing Discord, Telegram, um, on-chain uh, messaging as well for these events so that you can even um, uh, send notifications to, to your specific on-chain inboxes as well. And so, and we're continuously growing that those endpoints out, which is another benefit that we bring, right, for the uh, developers is that we are continuously adding more and more places where users can receive these notifications. So the developers aren't continuously having to add those. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, And again, uh, for those who are just joining now, um, we will be having a Notify workshop a little bit later today. um, So please make sure to check that out. Um, I think that as we're kind of like talking also about like notifications um, and like making that user flow a little bit easier, um, Neil, I wanted to also obviously bring up that uh, FrontRunner is building a mobile or has built, right, a mobile version of your product. Um, What was kind of what went into the decision for that? Talk me through a little bit about that process um, and then what were or are the challenges to building an application into a mobile product? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, For us, the decision to go to mobile or, you know, have a mobile presence specifically separate from a web app was really driven by the fact that, especially in our industry, which is essentially sports betting, mobile is kind of the premier platform where most activity happens. And so for us to kind of, you know, again, try to build a platform that is fit for mass adoption within a general consumer base, we really had to think about meeting our users where they are rather than forcing them to kind of jump through hoops, which I feel like has oftentimes been kind of an MO of a lot of kind of consumer facing Web3 products. So for us, you know, mobile was always kind of a goal for us to reach kind of from day one. And in kind of this exploration, you know, it hasn't necessarily always been easy. And the main reasons, the main challenges we've seen on our side are not so much technical, actually. They are more on kind of the logistical side, especially when dealing with the App Store and the Google Play stores. Certainly being a Web3 product combined with being a betting product adds some complications on that side in terms of the approval process, in terms of making sure we have the right kind of, you know, documentation that what we're doing is legal in the jurisdictions where we are kind of, you know, releasing it. And along with that, you know, we're also looking at other kind of potential solutions for things like, you know, progressive web apps or progressive mobile web apps, which are kind of a mix between a traditional web app and a full scale kind of native uh, mobile app on that side. Another kind of consideration around it for any developers that are out there that they might not be aware of, you know, on top of just kind of the regulatory side of things is the kind of, you know, revenue splits that the App Store and the um, Play Store actually have. And 
Apple is pretty aggressive on this. This is actually a pretty major issue, not only in the world of Web3, but just kind of app development in general right now. Apple takes, you know, upwards of 30%, if not more, of kind of, you know, revenue that you get through the application, which is why you're actually seeing kind of potentially increased kind of focus on web apps and mobile web experiences, especially in the worlds of uh, gambling, where, you know, the fees are kind of really tough to deal with when you're already making, you know, kind of smaller amounts of revenue on a transactional basis relative to, you know, some other apps out there. So for kind of developers that are looking out there, I mean, I think there's going to be a need for increased presence of consumer grade Web3 applications for mobile, just because up until this point, there really hasn't been a great example of a decentralized platform that really has run effectively on mobile for a large consumer basis. And so we're kind of in that first wave, we believe, of, of companies really focusing on that exact kind of UI US experience and making it built for mobile in a native kind of way. Oof. Yeah, I love that. Um, I think what really stands out for me is when you were saying, you know, meeting users where they are. Um, yes. And I think that that is a crucial point. I feel like I could have a full hour just to talk about your experience kind of moving on to the mobile platform um, and kind of like building a mobile app. But um, obviously, I want to be cognizant of everyone's time. Um, before we sign off, you know, we've been talking a lot about, you know, the different DeFi primitives, the tooling infrastructure, et cetera. Um, but I also wanted to make sure I leave a little bit of time for, you know, both you, Neil, um, with Frontrunner um, and Amesh with Notify um, to talk about some of the recent accomplishments of each of your projects. If you wanted to, um, you know, if there's anything that you wanted to kind of like leave as a final note or as a final thought to the injective community while they're here. Yeah, sure. Uh, happy to dive in there real fast. So, I mean, first of all, thank you all for attending and thanks for the invite here. This is, these types of spaces are always a lot of fun. From the front of our side, you know, we launched our mobile apps a couple weeks ago. We have almost a thousand downloads. So I encourage everyone here to check out, check us out at getfrontrunner.com. We're live on Android and um, iOS right now. We are still on testnet looking to transition to our mainnet um, in the coming, you know, two to three months here to start playing with real money. And we're in the process of revamping our kind of testnet incentives program with a plan of, at the end of April, having kind of a fully revamped system for users to uh, gain tokens, among other things, for, you know, the participation in our testnet platform. And there'll be more info on that on our Twitter coming, you know, at Frontrunner XYZ is where you should follow to kind of stay in the loop and everything. Awesome. Yeah, and I'll, I want to add to that, though, where, uh, for Notify, right, right now, uh, this really is a time for builders, right? Uh, we are releasing um right now just our first bit of sdk uh, tooling over to the injective community and we are going to be continuously investing in the community and also adding more scenarios uh please just stay tuned <laughs> no for sure um yeah i think that that is perfect i don't know albert if you had any final thoughts to kind of close us out with regards to you know uh, the panel subject matter, um, anything, anything you kind of want to leave us with? Yeah, I would just say um, for all the builders and even the non-builders in the audience, um, go check out the hackathon. Um, even if it's your first time trying to build something, I think it's it's worth a shot. You you learn so much in the process of just just trying something and figuring out, um, you know, how to make something work. And I think hopefully. On Injective, it's really easy for you to do. We've definitely spent a lot of time um, making this, you know, streamlined and straightforward. So just would, would encourage everyone to, to you know, get their hands dirty and, and, and try and build something. I couldn't have said that better myself. Um, we have a 
which kind of leads me to say that we have open office hours. This is the first open office hours for Hackathon. Um, and it is starting, I believe, within an hour and a half, and it'll be on Discord. And we have the Injective Labs developer team who are going to be on hand um, to answer any questions that you might have as you are you know, building your projects for Hackathon. Uh, we've also been putting out a ton of new content um, as it relates to utilizing the different primitives that we've kind of been discussing today. Um, so make sure that you go to our YouTube channel um, and view all of that. And again, uh, we will be having a Notify workshop um, at 4 p.m. Eastern, um, and that will also be a live stream that is occurring um, on Discord. And we'll have the Notify team there as well to answer any questions as you guys are, you know, watching um, and, and working it through. But yeah, thanks everyone so much for joining us for today's panel. Thank you so much to Neil, Albert, and Namesh um, for all of your incredible insights. Um, really appreciate it and happy day three of Hackathon. Thanks, thanks everyone. Thanks everyone. Thanks guys. Thanks for checking out another episode of the Ether. That was Injective Hackathon Panel, Building New Financial Primitives. Recorded on Wednesday, April 12th, 2023. For TerraSpaces.org, I'm Finn. Thanks for listening. Now, if you want to keep listening, head on over to TerraSpaces.org slash donate and show some support now. Put your hands up like you got a couple questions. Ain't no misdirection, just a bunch of flexing. All aggressive, insane from all directions. Smoke blows in when I start a session. Blink canvas, blaze up the handlers. Rocking back and forth like I got the van stuck. Don't grind the clutch, mind your hush. Put your mask on and don't touch the antlers. Feeling untouchable when I'm on the verse. But in the universe, I'm just writing some words. Enticing these nerds while I'm laying out my memoirs. Like, remember when I had to fight the centaur? I'm a book nerd, let me take you on the journey Lost in the labyrinth, searching out the lost fern For certain, got the taxes included Acting like a writer, never felt secluded Just another fixed game of try my luck Go lighten up dog. it could always be worse Unless you're in the back of a hearse Then you're dead or putting in new speakers It's a toss up, driver or just tweakers Don't stress yo, I've done the research Living life like a bunch of fucking lemurs It's a remake, off the cutting floor we take A little bit of poison and put it in the cheesecake Tastes great, less filling, less stress, more killing As he blew the cornerstone out the building And the blocks came tumbling down all humble Feels like we're drowning in a little puddle Rebuttal, I should be taking off in the shuttle Getting high in space with the Hubble